I want to encourage you, you may have run away from God, you may be running away from God this morning, but when you encounter the Holy Spirit, something's going to happen to you, and things change, and you're not the same as you used to be. I have really good news for you this morning. You're not the same person you used to be last night. This morning, as we encounter his presence, he is changing us, and he is, he is empowering us as a church. And so we've been looking at Acts, and as the church began to grow, Peter gets up, preaches a sermon, 3,000 people uh, come to know Jesus and, and the way starts, a movement starts. They called it the way because they didn't know what else to call it. It wasn't a religion. It wasn't, it wasn't some kind of program. It wasn't some kind of country club. It was a movement of power. And people were being healed and people were being saved. And the same things that Jesus was doing in his earthly ministry, now his disciples begin to do and they begin to multiply this movement all over the world and it exploded. And we are here today, some 2,000 years later, still part of the way still part of the church. I want to encourage you that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave that we see in the book of Acts, it is available for you and me today. It is available for us. And so in this series, we've been looking back at major themes and pulling these themes out from Acts and just asking the Lord to revive our hearts. As we look at the book of Acts, it's not necessarily prescriptive, although there's some things that we can really learn about the development of the church as they gathered and as God began to move them forward. So Acts chapter 11, let me ask you a question. Did you know that attending church is good for you? Did you know that? It's actually healthy. Turn to the person beside you and say, you look really healthy this morning, all right? Dr. George W. Comstack from John Hopkins University, he studied the relationship between church attendance and health, and this is what he found. The risk of fatal heart disease is almost two times higher for non-churchgoers. So there you go. That's a great reason to keep coming to church. There's been some studies on this, church attendance. Other studies have said that regular churchgoers are, in general, less depressed. Turn to somebody and give them a big smile, all right? Uh, Churchgoers are better at life management skills, on average, and are more likely to complete graduate degrees. Another study, University of Chicago, revealed that regular churchgoers had higher levels of sexual satisfaction in marriage. I got your attention now, didn't I? Some of you guys are like, I'm not missing church at all this summer. Hebrews 10.25 says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, some people are in the habit of getting out of gathering together and being part of the church, but the Bible says it's good for us. It's healthy for us. It's something that we should be mindful not to give up meeting together, but be intentional about being the church and being together and clearing our schedules. And we don't want to get into religion and we don't want to get into, you know, you can never miss a Sunday. But friends, there's something powerful and there's something great and there's something significant about us being the church, being together being in God's presence, encouraging. Have you felt the encouragement of the Holy Spirit already this morning? Just being in the room with God's people, God's presence, and God's word, and we are transformed and we are changed. But friends, just gathering together is not just about us. It's actually about us being on mission for Jesus Christ, reaching a city for Jesus. And this morning, I want to speak to you about a city-reaching church. I want to talk about what it means to be a city-reaching church. It's good for us, and it's healthy for us, but we are called to be people that reach others for Christ in our city so that they would receive greater levels of health in their life, greater levels of breakthrough, 
And as we look at the book of Acts, it was all about sharing this gospel, this good news message of Jesus, that he came and died on the cross for the sins of mankind. And whoever puts their trust in Jesus can know him, can be forgiven of their sins, can have a relationship with him, can be filled with the Holy Spirit, can become a brand new person, can be full of power and can claim every promise, can walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and things can be absolutely supernatural in your life. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to live by yourself in loneliness or in addiction or in pain, but you can experience life because of Jesus. This is good news, good news, good news, and that's why we got to continue to proclaim good news because there's a lot of people in our city that are still in need of good news. There's people in the room this morning, and you once walked in a place of complete darkness, and you say, well, maybe my life hasn't completely become perfect since I've become a Christian, and maybe in some ways your life has actually become a little bit harder since you've become a Christian. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but guess what? You're not going through it alone anymore. You have the people of God. You have the Spirit of God. You have the family of God. You have the Word of God. You have the presence of God. You have His power and His weight and His glory and His essence walking with you behind you every step of the way. And there are people in our city that are in brokenness and in pain. There are people in our city that are are in such a mess and longing and looking and searching. And God has called us and assembled us together to strengthen us as his church. And I'm not just talking about first assembly. I believe in the church of Calgary. I believe that we are one church. That when God sees the city of Calgary, he doesn't see denominations or fellowships or buildings or banners or logos or websites. All God sees is his people bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We are one church in this city. And we will be about building the church. Capital C Church. We're, that's what we're about at First Assembly. And I'm so blessed, and we're talking about, you know, Pastor Tim this morning. He's been so instrumental in the Tehillah Monday movement. It's just all about just reaching out and blessing and strengthening the local church in our city. And so as we look together at, at Acts, we come to different times where we see the church gathering and forming. And so a number of weeks ago, we looked at the church of Jerusalem, and this was the beginning of the church movement where they met together and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to breaking of bread and to prayer and there were signs and there were wonders among them and and people were added daily to the church, those who were being saved. And so we looked at some of the actions and some of the attitudes of what it means to be the church as we look back at the Jerusalem church. But then persecution began to happen and we looked at some of those stories over the last number of weeks as well where Paul and uh, Peter and John were on their way to, to prayer, and then they, there was a, the healing of the beggar by the gate beautiful, and then the, the city was in an uproar. They were dragged in, and they were threatened to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And then Peter as well, who was put in prison, and the, the great prison escape that we talked about last week, and, and, and there's persecution that is happening. And Stephen, one of the disciples, was, was actually persecuted to the place of being stoned to death. And persecution began to, to rise in the church. And people begin to scatter. And so there are some dynamics that we see. And as we pick it up in Acts chapter 11, we see now another major church begin to form. And it's in the city of Antioch. And so there's the church in Jerusalem. And then there's the church in Antioch. And the church in Antioch begins to grow and develop with great fire of the Holy Spirit as disciples are being saved. And the one thing that makes this church unique is no longer is the faith just being preached to Jewish people. 
but God gives revelation to the church that the gospel is for everybody. How many are thankful that it's for everybody? It's for everybody. It's for everybody. And, and God begins to give them revelation, and they begin to understand. And, and Peter has an encounter with a guy named Cornelius and some of his friends. And, and as they hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And, they, and he, it says in, in the chapter beforehand, it says that, that some of the same things that happened, the same things that happened on the day of Pentecost happened now to this group of Gentiles. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in water. They became Christians. And Peter is, is very apparent. He says what is going on here is that God is pouring out his spirit on the Gentiles. And now there's scattering and growing of the church. And this church starts in the ancient city of Antioch. Antioch was um, the third most prominent city in the Roman Empire. It would have been Rome and Alexandria and then Antioch. It would have been a population of 500 to 700,000 people, a large city. There were four and a half miles down the main street that, that Herod the Great actually paved in marble. Can you imagine? The affluence of this city was absolutely incredible. It was a, a center of commerce. There was wealth and affluence in this city that was uh, unmatched to most other ancient cities in that time. And Antioch, ancient Antioch became known as, as, as this affluent uh, center of culture. Uh, there were sports. There were jugglers on the sidewalks. I can imagine what it would be like. Uh, in this, the city streets were even um, lit up at night where down the main street, I almost kind of picture like Stephen Avenue in Calgary, just kind of downtown at night, people walking through, it's lit up, there's people on the, on the side, you know, musicians and artists, and it was just kind of like that atmosphere, and, and ancient Antioch was a city, a bustling city, a godless city, a pagan city, a city that was so far away from understanding anything uh, about God at all, but now this group of Christians begin to scatter, and they begin to, to scatter into Antioch. And they begin to plant a church and they begin to preach not just to Jews, but to people who were not Jewish or Gentiles. And so there's several dynamics of being a city-reaching church in Calgary that I believe that we can glean from the church in Antioch. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, it's, it's, it's a word for the church and for us together, but I believe this morning as well that the Holy Spirit has something specific to speak to you about as you fulfill and partner with God in His calling on your life. And to encourage you this morning that God has something specifically for each one of us as we look at being a city-reaching church because being a city-reaching church together is about all of us together partnering with Jesus, partnering with God and what he is doing. And as we partner with him, we are fulfilled. We are, we are moving into the place that God has designed us to be. And so I pray that you'd open up your ears and your hearts. Let's just look at some of these things this morning. Acts chapter 11, starting at verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. There it is, of of Syria. The first thing we see is that they were persecuted. It says that they were persecuted. They were being persecuted after Stephen's persecution. I want to encourage you this morning that being a city-reaching church will require that at times we will be misunderstood, and I can guarantee you if we are making any difference in a city, if we are doing any damage on the darkness, there will be some that will persecute you. Well, thank you, Pastor Ben. I'm so glad I came up to church this morning. I'm so encouraged by that. But I want to encourage us this morning that as we are a city-reaching church, we cannot just shrink back and try to be friends with everybody. Now, we should love everybody 
that we can love. We should reach out with grace, with wisdom. Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We, we see the ministry of the Apostle Paul and others where there was a great boldness, but yet there was, there was wisdom and there was incredible love and compassion. So everything we do is about love. But it doesn't matter how many people we love. As we love people and as we push against the darkness, there will be a pushback from the enemy. As a church, in, in your life and in my life, we cannot be afraid of persecution. We should actually expect persecution. As a city reaching church, as we begin to take ground, even more ground in the years ahead, as we begin to plant more churches, as we begin to move forward in vision, as we begin to see more people come to Christ and people saved, it says of the disciples in in Acts that they were the ones that turned the world upside down. And if we're going to be a city reaching church, we're going to be turning some things upside down, actually or right side up. Maybe they're upside down right now. But by the grace of God, we're going to begin to invade some of the dark spaces that are in this city. And we got to be people with this militant spirit, this, this heart, this, this passion, this boldness to say things are not okay in our city. There are too many people living in homelessness. There are too many people living on the streets. There are too many people addicted to drugs. There are too many marriages that are broken up. There's too many relationships that are broken in pain. There are too many kids that don't have a mom or don't have a dad. Some of these things we got to get passionate and bold about. And what's going to happen and as we move in boldness, not everybody's going to like it, especially the enemy. And it's going to push back. And as we are a city-reaching church, I'm not trying to bring on more persecution, but I'm just saying get ready because if we're not being persecuted at some level, if, if everybody likes what we're doing, Jesus, beware if all men speak well of you. But if you're going to start doing some damage on the darkness, we're going to see some pushback. So that's a heads up for you this morning. But this is what Jesus said. He said, not only that, he says, count yourself blessed every time that people put you down or throw you out to speak lies about you or discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort, and they are uncomfortable. And you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer, even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Be encouraged, Jesus said. Hey, give a cheer. When you face a little bit of opposition and when you face a little bit of persecution, and this is what's happening, they're being persecuted, but guess what? That didn't stop them. And some people say, well, why would they ever go to Antioch? Why would they go to such a godless city? Why would they go to such a place where there was, you know, goddess worship and all kinds of perversion and all kinds of, of, of evil and vices? Why would they go there and why would they begin to preach and why would they begin to proclaim the good news is because these believers, friends, got over themselves and they begin to say, I'm living for Jesus no matter what. I'm living for him. I have drawn a line in the sand and I have crossed over. And friends, I think that that is such a key to a move of God in our nation, in our city is when believers, Bible-believing believers, church-goers, people who have been saved maybe for years and decades, that we come to the place where we say, I'm no longer satisfied with just being comfortable or living a comfortable Christian life. I am going to live for Jesus with passion. I'm going to love people more passionately. I'm going to proclaim the good news of Jesus. I don't care if it's culturally relevant. I don't care if it's culturally acceptable to say that Jesus loves you, that he is the only way. It's not me who said it. It's him who said it. And if I'm going to believe Jesus is who he said he is, i got to stand up for truth, and i got to stand up for who he is. And he is 
the truth. It is not my opinion, and I'm not putting other people down, and I'm loving them, and I'm journeying with them, and I'm doing it in grace. But friends, we got to draw a line in the sand somewhere and say, I am not going to live in a place of comfort and compromise any longer. I'm going to live all out for Jesus, all in for him. And we're going to be the church. And that's how we're going to take ground. And that's how we're going to see more and more people come to Christ. That's how we're going to see a mighty harvest of souls. Because quite frankly, there's a lot of people that aren't following Jesus today. And they look at some of us as church people sometimes and they see the compromise. And they see the the apathetic lukewarmness of our heart. And they go, well, why would I ever want to be a Christian? Because you guys don't even live out what you really say you live out. But there's a generation, there are people that are just so hungry for some passionate people who, not weird people, not rude people, not picketing people, loving people, washing feet feet of people, hands getting down on knees, washing the feet of people. This is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of boldness. So get out of your mind any kind of idea of some screaming in the face, you know, loud mouth American guy, not American, but but the picket, you know, Southern American Baptist, Brookswood, what is it called? I can't remember. But whatever, some kind of like, yeah, yeah, Westbrook Baptist or whatever it is. Get that out of your mind. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about love. I remember being down on the streets I, uh, when I was a brand new youth pastor in South Vancouver. Um, it was just only a part-time thing when I first started for the first few years, but I really felt called to be there. God opened up a, an opportunity for me to, to serve at a downtown mission just off East Hastings Street in Vancouver. And I did this for two and a half years, and I served there every, every week, and, and I was the manager of this, this free store, this drop-in center. And I remember this one day, this one lady came in. She couldn't even make it up the stairs because her, her angry boyfriend, who was drunk and high, would not let her even in the building. So me and some little old ladies went outside, and it was a rainy Vancouver day, and it was pouring rain. And this lady, she was in the ditch. She was literally laying in the ditch. She had no shoes on. She had, her feet were turning blue. She had needle marks all up her arms and legs. And as we're down, we were beginning, literally, we had a basin of warm, soapy water. We began to wash her feet, and we began to put fresh socks on her. And I remember being on my knees, and as I was on my knees, I was putting socks on this lady on the street, and I felt like the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me just uh, several times in my life, and it's just undeniably, I'm like, it got my attention. And he said, he said, Ben, I have a question for you. I said, what? He says, do you want to see revival in Canada? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, because that's why I went to Bible college, and that's why I'm a youth pastor. And all. Yeah, of course, Lord. He says, you're in the right position. He says, you're in the right position. It's about serving. It's about getting on our knees. It's about getting in the gutters. It's, but, and even when you do that, you're going to be persecuted. Even when we were doing that, there were people driving by, there were people mocking, there were people, listen, as we serve Jesus, we're going to face persecution. A city reaching church is a persecuted church, and we see it right here. I'll never forget the time my mom and dad, they planted the church in Seattle, and we started in a gym, and then we found property and claimed the property and had prayer marches. And by the grace of God, we saw a new, brand new church building go up. I'm a kid, so I'm living this out real time and seeing all this happen. And we were only a few months in the building. We dedicated the church and opened the building. And one night, some vandals broke into the church. And it was on a Saturday, Saturday night before Sunday. And they took acid and they poured acid up and down the, every seat and every pew all the brand new pews, all the brand new carpet, all the stage. They poured acid all over the auditorium. They, they vandalized the church. It was on the news. And being a kid, I just could not understand. I'm thinking, why in the world 
would somebody, why in the, why in the world would somebody oppose what we are doing? It, it shocked me. But we were stepping out in faith and people were getting saved and, and I know that people get messed up and all kinds of things and guess what? There's even grace for the young gentlemen that were actually found, found out, they were charged and there's even grace for those guys. But it's something that stirs, it's the enemy that is trying to stir up and stop the work of God but it doesn't matter how much acid you pour over a pew. It doesn't matter how much that the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against it. And so as the church moves forward, a city-reaching church says, you know what, no matter what takes place, we are moving forward, and we are loving people to Jesus. Secondly, we see this soul-winning church. This is in the heart of Antioch. It says, however, some of the believers, they went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene. They began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus, and the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of the Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. So we're seeing a revival here now. They're preaching to the Gentiles. People are coming to Jesus. People are getting saved. People are are experiencing the life, the power of the Lord, it says, was with them. How many believe that the power of the Lord is with us as his church today? That the power of the Holy Spirit, and this is why we lean so drastically and heavily upon the reliance of needing the Holy Spirit. And we're not... You know, saying that we're the Holy Spirit church because we have some kind of corner on the kingdom or anything. Every Christian that, that serves Jesus, when you're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit. But we also understand that in Acts, we see this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we see that this empowerment of the Holy Spirit that comes upon God's people to fulfill amazing things. And we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, not so we can have more charismatic meetings. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit so we can be a witness so we can do something, so we can change a city, so that we can share the gospel with power and with authority, with signs that follow. And we see a soul-winning church that is, that is raised up in this place. And it's not just for Jews, it's for Gentiles, it's spreading, it's for all people. And it says that some of the believers, it says that there were some, there were some of the believers that begin to preach to the Gentiles. You see, a lot of them were just still preaching to the Jews, even in Antioch. But there was a group of people that says, you know what, we're just gonna, we're gonna get excited about the gospel and we're gonna begin to share it with everybody. I just wanna encourage us. I, my dream and my heart would be that everybody that would call First Assembly home, that we would all just be on fire for Jesus all the time. But friends, even if it's just some of us, we're gonna do some damage on the darkness and we're gonna see the kingdom of God advance and we're gonna see the church thrive and we're gonna see families come in droves to Jesus, tens of thousands of people in this city that are yet to come to Christ because of our obedience as we step out and we continue to step out in faith. We're gonna trust God for a mighty harvest of souls. It says that there were some of them and they begin to see salvation. We also see this church in Antioch, it was ascending church. Verse 22, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, this revival that was happening in Antioch, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw the evidence of God's blessing, see there was authenticity, there was fire, there was life in this church. It says he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. And Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. So the church in Jerusalem hears, hey, there's some good things that are going on over in in our church up in Antioch. You see, the church was scattering now all over the world and way up into Antioch, which is modern-day Turkey. 
And they said, listen, we've heard now that the Holy Spirit is pouring out on Gentiles, and, and we want to strengthen that church, and we want to encourage that church. So what did they do? They sowed Barnabas. They sent Barnabas. They said, we want to strengthen the people of God and the work over there. And they were ascending church. First assembly has always been ascending church church. We are about seeing the church expand. We are about seeing the church thrive, the church prosper. We are always about sowing seed. And as we sow, Jesus promises that we will also reap. As we sow seed, we will see harvest. We will see breakthrough. We will see growth. We will see salvation. We will see the Holy Spirit accomplish what he desires in our city as we are ascending church. They send Barnabas, and he gets there and he assesses the scene and he goes, this is incredible. He sees it's authentic. He sees that what's going on is the real deal. And Barnabas thinks to himself, I know a guy that can help me. He says, I'm going to go find Saul. We know him also as Paul, the apostle. So I'm just going to say Paul. So he says, I'm going to go find my friend Paul because I know Paul's intense. And so he goes and he finds Paul and Paul had just kind of been after his encounter with with Jesus, as, as he encountered Jesus on, on the road, and he fell to his face, and scales fall off, fell off his eyes, and, and he had a revelation of who Christ was. He, he had been uh, in another place in Tarsus, and this is about 10 years now after Paul had, had that experience of Jesus, and so I'm sure that he was doing crazy stuff and witnessing, and, but Barnabas says, I'm going to go find Paul, because I need him to come to Antioch with me, and so he went, and he found Paul, and he brought him over to Antioch, and they begin to teach for a whole year together. This is exciting. They begin to teach the people and the scriptures, and they begin to to build them. And even later, we see from that church in Antioch, it became a missions church where they sent uh, Paul and Barnabas up into uh, Asia and Asia Minor, and then they were the ones that were sent on that missionary journey even well up into Europe. And we see that it continues to be ascending church. But the church in Jerusalem says, we're going to send you Barnabas. Barnabas says, I'm going to go find a helper. I'm going to go find Paul. We're going to invest in this group of new believers. We're going to train them. We're going to develop them. And then they continue to be ascending church. It says, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to seek Saul. That word seek means relentlessly, energetically searching. And Barnabas, he goes and he finds Saul. And he finds him in that place. And he brings him back and they begin to build the church. And this is also what we see in a a city reaching church. It's not just a sending church. It's a growing church full of growing people. They invest in discipleship. They invest in teaching. Not just growing numerically, but growing people. I believe that there are tens of thousands of people that will be impacted by the obedience of your life and my life as we journey together into the future. I really believe that here in Calgary and around the globe. Because there's already been, likely, tens of thousands of people that have been been influenced by this church over the last 90 years. So what about the future? There's gonna be tens of thousands more as we continue on course, as we stay obedient, as we keep pushing forward in the purposes of God. But it's not just about Numbers are filling seats. It's about growing people. It's not just about growing big audiences. It's about growing big people. It's about people knowing Jesus personally. It's about people understanding the word and growing in the word of God. And this is what they were committed to, a growing church. They teamed up and they taught. You see, because I believe that healthy sheep will multiply. (laughs) 
And if you look at, at pastoring and shepherding and congregations, that whole metaphor of sheep, and I believe that healthy sheep, we are like sheep, Jesus said, healthy sheep will multiply. And God wants to continue to bring greater health upon us as a church. And they begin to preach, and they begin to proclaim Jesus as they were committed to being a growing church. And then we see a spirit-sensitive church. It says, during this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood in one of the meetings, and he predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. And this was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. This Agabus was a, a prophet in the church. There were gifts that were operating in the church of Antioch. And that's a dream for us as, as our church. We continue to be people that are spirit-led and spirit-empowered and spirit-sensitive. Somebody asked me, one of, a pastor friend of mine a little while ago, he says, well, what are you guys doing at First Assembly? Are you guys, you know, you're like, are you seeker, seeker-sensitive kind of a church? Or like, are you like a revival kind of flow or... Bethel, or like, like what, is your, what is your deal? And I just kind of thought about that, and I thought, I think we're just trying to be who we are. <laughs> I don't think we're trying to be something or somebody else, but I said, here's what I think we're trying to do. I think that we are really doing our best to be a spirit-sensitive church. That we're, we're aware that there are seekers, and we're all about reaching the lost, and we need to do things to communicate well to people that don't know Jesus, and we have a passion for the lost, that's for sure. But when we gather together, our main aim is not just to please people, but our main aim is to listen and yield to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we would be a spirit-sensitive people, moving in the gifts of the Spirit, listening to the voice of the Spirit, being a people of the Spirit. And Agabus was one who had a prophetic word, and he began to prophesy and say, this is coming. And, and it was actually a, a prophetic word of warning, which was a warning to the church. And we'll see how they respond to that just in a moment. But, you know, I was here on Monday night. I was at Tehillah Monday, and, and I was just in worship, and, and uh, there were some things I was just kind of praying about as I was in worship, and I was kind of unloading my heart a little bit to the Lord. And honestly, there was a few things. I was just like, God, here's some challenges. Here's some things I'm just laying at your feet. And there was somebody from our congregation here at First Assembly, and they kind of came up to me as I was worshiping at the end. They said, listen, I just want to share with you. As you, I kind of saw you, I was sitting back there. The Lord gave me a vision, and they began to share the vision that God had over me as I was worshiping. And this is a trusted leader in our church. And, and as they shared this with me, I, I'll tell you, it was so encouraging to me. It was so encouraging that there was somebody that was sensitive to the voice of the Spirit, sensitive to what God is saying. I just love that about our church. I love that about what God is doing. I love that about our grad night when we had all the youth and the parents and the leaders. We just begin to prophesy and speak words of encouragement over our kids. Listen, we just got to continue to be sensitive to what is God saying? What is God doing? And this is the kind of church that I believe is a city-reaching church because we don't get so locked into our programs. We don't get so locked into our rigid way of, of, of running a, a service or doing church that we're always sensitive and open. What is God saying? What is God doing? And I know he wants that for your life in a greater way, and he wants that for my life in a greater capacity, that we would be spirit-sensitive people. Just like this church in Antioch, as they begin to reach that city, they were sensitive. They were listening. There was a prophet among them. They, they began to be sensitive to the Spirit, and God began to lead them. And this is how they responded then. We see, ultimately, it moved into generosity. They were a generous church. Says, so the believers in Antioch, they decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea. Everyone giving as much as they could. 
And they did this, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Do you see what's happening here? This is so beautiful. First, the church in Jerusalem, the original church, as it's growing and thriving, they hear about Antioch, another major city in the Roman Empire. It's, it's blowing up. There's revival. There's people getting saved. So what do they do? They send, they send Barnabas. They send a leader. Barnabas gets there. He finds somebody else to partner and to help. And, and there's strength, and the church is growing, and the church is dynamic, and the church is spirit-sensitive. And as they are listening to the Holy Spirit, as they were growing as a church, as they are reaching their city, the Holy Spirit begins to show them things. And they begin to think about not just themselves, but they begin to think about the church in Jerusalem. And now it's going both ways. They're saying, oh, wow, that church in Jerusalem, they've been so good to us. They've sent us Barnabas. They've sent us. They've invested in us. We're going to invest into them. We're going to invest into what they're doing. And so they began to collect an offering. They said, we're going to, listen, we're in a pretty affluent center. We've we got lots of business people in our church. We've got a lot of cool things going on here in Antioch. So we're going to receive an offering, and we're going to sow into Jerusalem because we know that the Holy Spirit says they're going to go through some famine. They're going to go through some hard times. So we're going to come alongside of them. It began to move in a greater generosity. And I want to say, well done, First Assembly. Over the years, this church has been such a wonderful, generous church to our city. And we continue to be, and we will continue to be generous as the Holy Spirit leaves, leads us and moves us into our future. But you know what? A church is only as blank as the people are. Do you know that? You can fill in the blank. Let me explain that to you. A church is only as prayerful as the people are prayerful. A church is only as generous as the people are generous. The church is only as committed as the people are committed. And what God has called us to is to be a city-reaching church. And my prayer for each one of us today is that we would open up our lives in a greater way to say, Holy Spirit, make me a city-reaching person. Because remember, you are the church. The church is not a building. The church is you and me together. You could take away buildings. You could take away all these lights. You could take away all these things. And guess what, friends? We would still be the church. First Assembly would still be First Assembly. And the Church of Calgary would still be the Church of Calgary. And we would team together, and we would win people to Christ, and we would see a mighty revival as we continue to lean in. We want to be like the church in Antioch, that we would be people that are not afraid of persecution, people that are generous people, people that are spirit-sensitive people, people that are committed to growing as big people, people that are the church of Jesus Christ in our city. And I believe that that's God's desire for each one of you and each one of us today, that we would take that in our families, that we would experience greater health and greater healing in our homes in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Dave to come at this time and the musicians. And Heather, I'm going to ask you to come as well. I'm springing this on you. But I'd love you to share a little bit about what you felt in the pre-service prayer this morning. And uh, we're just going to respond to what we just sense the Holy Spirit doing among us this morning as we uh, look at what it means to be a city-reaching church. It means that we're city-reaching people. It means that we're city-reaching people. It means that we're people that are spirit-sensitive, generous, sending, growing, soul-winning. And even in the middle of opposition, we just keep on going. And we just say, no matter what comes against us, we know that God is for us. Isn't that encouraging? I love that scripture in Romans 8.31. It says, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
If God is for you, who can be against you? And as a church, we say, as we reach our city, if God is for us, which he is, then nothing can stand in our way. Nothing is against us. Nothing has power to stop us. For 2,000 years, nothing, everything's tried to stop the church. <laughs> I mean, hell has pulled out its con- entire arsenal against the church over these centuries, hasn't it? But guess what? The church is thriving today. All over the world, the church is thriving. And the church is the church because the church is people bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are unstoppable because he has given us his Holy Spirit. Let's be the unstoppable, loving, passionate, city-reaching church that Jesus has called us to be. Our vision is loving all people to Jesus. Our vision is to go out to the lost and the least and to the up and the out and to the down and the out. The rich and the poor in our city, loving all people for Jesus. Loving them from a place of serving passionately in love with Jesus. In love with Jesus sensitive to his voice see all we got to be is just full of the Holy Spirit just be completely who you are full of the Holy Spirit and open for business and just say Holy Spirit what do you want to do that's what we see in Acts we just see people they're the church the church is in Jerusalem the church is in Antioch the church wherever they are we're just going to help each other we're just going to encourage each other we're just going to strengthen each other we're just going to build this thing together as Jesus is building his church. We're just going to be obedient to what he's building. And we're going to see a mighty move of God sweep over this city. I believe in the, in the years ahead, in the months and years ahead, I believe, I believe we're in it, you guys. I believe we're in it. I believe, I said this last Sunday, I said when God moves suddenly, 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 I believe we're already in a season of suddenly. I believe we're already in it. So when's revival come to Calgary? Just be it till you see it. Just get in it. Just be it. Just proclaim it. Just prophesy revival. Here it is. It's here. It's now. It's in my life. I'm shifting. I'm changing. I'm drawing a line in the sand. I am moving forward. I am passionate. I am on fire for Jesus. I am living for him. I am living for him with all of my heart. I don't care about persecution. I don't care about opposition. I don't care about what the culture says. I follow Christ. I don't follow the culture. I follow Christ. I believe in the cross of Jesus Christ. I believe it's still relevant today in Calgary. I believe. I believe. And I'm just going to serve Jesus. And we're going to reach a city. How many want to reach a city together? Why don't we do it together? Why not? Why not us? Why not now? Let's be who God's called us to be. Heather, why don't you share a few things with us? This morning in our prayer time, uh, I saw a picture of a clock. And it was a, a clock where the, the second hand was ticking very loudly. Click, click, click. And I felt the Father's heartbeat. And I I felt that the Lord was showing us that the clock, the minutes the same, the seconds the same, the hours the same, but it keeps moving forward. And that the Lord would have this suddenly that was deposited into us even last weekend continue, that it's it's not over just from last week, but there's another second and another minute. And that we would just get in step and we would just hear the Father's heartbeat. That our heartbeat would be aligned to his heartbeat. And that's when all of a sudden those suddenlies would start to drop. There's a second. There's a minute. There's an hour. There's a time for each one of us. And for so many thousands more. As we step into that place of hearing the Father's heart. Feeling the Father's heart. Being in step with the Spirit. We can be in step to reach this city. It was so strong in that, in that prayer room. 
And I, I just, I even felt even during our worship time, even this morning, just that ticking is still going on in my head. Just a sense of the Father's desire. His heart so wants to be known. His heartbeat wants to be so close to ours that we would, step, we would be in step with him. Amen. As we walk in the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Why don't you stand together with me if you would. And if that's your heart's desire this morning, say, Holy Spirit, I want to be in step with your Spirit so that you, in my life, I could be the city-reaching church. Remember, us together, we're reaching a city, but each one of us, as we keep in step with the Spirit, if your heart's desire this morning would be, Lord, I want to be in step with your Spirit in a greater level in my life. I want to have a greater sensitivity to your voice. I want to have a greater passion to serve you. I want to move in a greater dynamic of, of, of being generous and being a person with a kingdom mindset. I want to be a, a, a person that is more open and more sensitive to people around me that need to know Jesus and to, to even love this city and to be called here and to, to declare revival. I want to be part of the revival. I want to be in step. I don't want to miss out. I want to be on your clock, God. I want to be in step with you. If that's your desire this morning, I would encourage you just to reach out and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Or maybe God is speaking something to you. Just ask the Lord, what, do you, what does this message mean to me this morning, God? Just take a moment and say, God, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to me? And then just respond to him. What are you saying to me?